The Virginia Early Childhood Foundation announced January 6th the launch of Ready Regions. This is a nine-region network designed to increase coordination and accountability in early education programs across Virginia. United Way of Southwest Virginia will be the lead organization for Ready Region Southwest. United Way will coordinate the services and resources available to families with young children in the region. They will partner with parents, early childhood care and education programs, businesses, school systems, social services agencies, and other stakeholder organizations. Ready Regions is a new way of approaching early childhood care and education across Virginia. And Ready Region Southwest hopes to benefit from productive pre-existing relationships between United Way of Southwest Virginia and its partners. Travis Staten, the president and CEO of United Way of Southwest Virginia, joins me by phone today to discuss Ready Regions and the leadership role of his organization in providing early childhood care in Southwest Virginia. Welcome to the show, Travis. Thank you. I'm sure excited about this new uh, arrangement with Ready Region Southwest. Talk a little bit about how this came to be. Well, United Way of Southwest Virginia over the past several years has really been working locally uh, at the ground level as well as with state organizations and entities to improve the quality of early childhood care and education throughout Southwest Virginia. We have made great strides. Uh, We have really been able to work with several uh, hundred providers in making sure that classrooms are really of high standards and programmatically well positioned to improve educational outcomes so that more children enter kindergarten ready to succeed. Um, And we've been excited and and very well positioned to do that work. As part of some of this new work uh, with the uh, initiative of Ready Region Southwest Virginia, we will expand on that capacity and not just only focus on quality. We'll continue to do that and make gains and strides there, but we'll also really need to look at the lens of the equitable supply of child care providers throughout our region. Uh, there's been some studies conducted before the pandemic that really showed nationally there's about a 30% gap of child care versus the supply and demand throughout the, the United States. Virginia has, although we've, we've fared fairly well in the Commonwealth, uh, that shortage is only projected to be about 11.9%. But unfortunately, in Southwest Virginia, we are right at 29.3%, almost a 30% gap in the availability of child care providers versus the demand. So Part of this work will will not just work to continue to make sure of the providers we're working with that there's quality and and standards there, but also making sure that we're working collaboratively and regionally to expand the access to affordable quality child care so that individuals that are either working or want to re-enter the workforce or even parent students that are pursuing higher education can continue to do that and have access to safe, quality child care for their child so that they can remain gainfully employed or, or improve their, their educational attainment. 
Well, United Way has already been focused on this. Explain a little bit more how the Ready Regions Network enhances that work or dovetails with it. Sure. So through these investments, United Way will be able to have additional capacity to help coordinate at a larger scale. This initiative will serve 21 localities. Uh, that's 17 counties and four cities, uh, representing about almost 20% geographically of the Commonwealth. And we all know uh, Southwest Virginia is a rural part and underserved part of the state. So with these additional capacities, we'll be able to bring in more stakeholders, more other uh, decision makers, but we're also will be able to expand on a couple of things. One, uh, in monitoring programmatic data and outcomes of these investments, there are several million dollars worth of, of investment that is happening throughout the Commonwealth and particularly even in Southwest Virginia. And we need to make sure that we're able to monitor those investments and know what is producing the greater return so that we can continue to scale those investments and also sometimes pivot and move dollars into things that have more impact so that we are ensuring the best use of dollars and investment in our community to make sure that we're, we're getting the best bang for our buck. In addition to that, there's currently uh, a little more than 200 child care centers that we're working with that we also want to make sure that they continue to remain strong, sustainable, and profitable because the stronger they are as a business, the more they're going to have the ability to sustain themselves but also expand and serve additional children in our region. And so when we think about that 30% roughly gap of child care, we're thinking about the 9th Congressional District. That almost represents about 7,000 slots that we would need or that is underserved in our region. So having these additional capacities, we're going to be able to bring more folks to the table, strengthen the current sector, help them flex a little more and expand and become more sustainable, but also look at strategies that we can do to really monitor these investments in our region, make sure they're going to the best usages, and if we have to, pivot and, and move things around in order to, to do what's working well and do more of what's working. 7,000 slots. Clarify that for me. Are you talking about 7,000 additional uh, people needed to serve in this area, or are you talking about the 7,000 people who need the service? Uh, we're talking about 7,000 children from, the, from birth to age five, uh, right at that top of the four years of age, that would need care. Uh, so through that study with a 29%, roughly 29.3% gap, that is equivalent to about 7,000 children that actually would need care that the care is not available. And describe the stakeholders a little bit more. I know already that United Way is working with several partners to try to deal with this problem, but you're suggesting that through Ready Region Southwest that there might even be additional stakeholders that can be brought in to help with this? Yes. One of the most exciting things about Ready Region Southwest is not just business and governmental entities that we're working with and educational institutions. One of the newest partners that this initiative will allow us to bring to the table is parents. 
For too long, parents have not been fully engaged with some of this work. Uh, not that they've been excluded, but we've got to make greater gains in approaching parents, involving parents, letting parents help give input and steer some of the decision-making, uh, give advice on where investments are needed, and, and really how we position early child care and education systems to best meet the needs of parents. So one of the newest audiences that we will be expanding on, uh, because we have engaged with parents, but we need to do more. Uh, we realize that this will enable us to build that capacity. We are super excited about involving more parents and, and stakeholders from individuals that are caring for children to have more voice and parent choice in what work is being done in early education. Well, that is sort of the crux of what I think is most interesting about this, and I want to talk about it some more in the second part of this interview. I want to talk a little bit first about some of the goals that you have in more broadly affordable child care, strengthening the network, growing the professional early childhood workforce, which I think is probably one of the biggest inhibitors to providing child care. Are, are these the primary goals? Are there others that you have in mind now, especially with this new arrangement with Ready Region Southwest? But right before COVID, many uh, women in the nation were actually leaving uh, the labor pool. They actually were just a little more than 50% of the labor pool were made up of working uh, women. And since the pandemic, the women have left the workforce more rapidly, more than men have. But what's interesting is, as employers are having workforce shortages and gaps and barriers to getting people to re-enter the workforce, those same challenges exist in the early childhood system. So when we think about strengthening the current providers and helping them with their operations, they too have their own workforce challenges. What a lot of people don't realize is that early educators and instructors and teachers are some of the lowest paying jobs in our region. And they are one of the most important jobs in our region. Not only do they make sure that children are loved and cared for and have safe places, they're one of the first frontline workers that are making sure that children come ready to succeed in kindergarten. You know, more than 90% of the child's brain develops before the age of five, so these individuals need to be well equipped and if you're thinking about your own children, who do you want? You want the best person there teaching them, caring for them, uh, helping them uh, with their educational attainment. So it's time that we really think about the, the business model in early education. We think about ways to provide greater compensation for early uh, educators and teachers in this space and help the private sector figure out financing models that will help them pay a more livable wage for teachers, attract more talent, and be able to retain them by offering them things that, honestly, sometimes early child care uh, teachers don't get a lot of vacation time. They don't get uh, benefits sometimes. They don't get uh, help or, or PTO for sick time and things. They go unpaid uh, because most of them are hourly uh, workers. It's okay for the, the hourly wage, but it's some of the other things they don't really have access to because the business model doesn't uh, permit for it. And they, 
sometimes if a provider pays their teachers more, the end user, the parent, ends up paying more for the service. So part of this initiative will really work to develop new business strategies and really reevaluate the business model in early education, figure out ways that they can attract staff, retain staff, and, and pay them a livable wage and help them uh, help themselves as well. This leads to the big questions that I want to ask in the second part of this interview, and it relates to, I think, the difference between early childhood care and early childhood education and where those overlap and where they may necessarily uh, be different. Um, but I want to go to a break. First, Travis, I'm talking today with Travis Staten. He is the president and chief executive officer for the United Way of Southwest Virginia. We're talking about the recent arrangement approved between United Way and the Virginia Early Childhood Foundation through its Ready Regions program. You are listening to Together to Get There, the show dedicated to economic and community development in Southwest Virginia, and I'm your host, Dirk Moore. You are also listening to WHC 90.7, the voice of Southwest Virginia. Support for Together to Get There comes from People Incorporated, one of the largest community action agencies in the country. For 55 years, People Incorporated has helped communities and individuals build good futures and realize their dreams. Together to get there, I am talking today by phone with Travis Staten, the president of United Way of Southwest Virginia. We have been talking about early childhood care. Um, we've been also been talking about the announcement that United Way of Southwest Virginia, in cooperation with the Virginia Early Childhood Foundation, is uh, launching Ready Regions, a nine-region network designed to increase coordination and accountability in early education programs across the Commonwealth. Travis, I left off sort of posing that question about the difference between early childhood care and early childhood education. Is that an important distinction to make at all? 
It, it is, and I will say uh, they're both extremely important and both needed combined and together. Uh, it is extremely important for children to have care, for them to have a safe environment, for them to be out of harm's way and to be cared for and, and, and needs met uh, and, and, you know, loved. But also it is extremely important that we realize these providers are teachers. They are educators. They are the front line of your next workforce in America. And they get to see these kids first. And they have an extremely important role to make sure that children are socially and emotionally prepared, that they also are educationally prepared. As I mentioned earlier, 90% of the child's brain develops before the age of five. This is an, an important time period where children are learning uh, their social and emotionally how to interact with other children, how to share, how to communicate, how to uh, cope, how to uh, understand those things. And not only are we working with these providers to make sure that they're in a safe environment, absolutely uh, we're doing that, but it is not just daycare and it is not just helping kids, you know, be there uh, at a place until their, their parent gets off work. These are early education institutions and they are really helping us to make sure that we're growing uh, our children, that we're providing some of the best learning opportunities for them, but also helping them be prepared for success in life and that one day they too can be productive members of their community, gainfully employed, earning a livable wage and having children of their own and providing, uh, you know, that, that will of life that comes back and that investment um, is such a huge one in our, our region and our community. So both of those are important, but I do want to dis distinguish that this is not babysitting. Uh, this is caring for children, yes. Providing safe environments, yes. But providing them first-class learning opportunities, developing them, to be prepared for success in the K-12 education system later on when they enter kindergarten? Absolutely. And a lot of research shows the more investment up front has a bigger return than addressing these problems later in life. When we have kids in high school that are disconnected, they're not attending, they're not interested in careers or, or working when they leave high school, a lot of those problems could be really addressed upwards uh, up front with a high-quality education system, really putting them on track uh, and projecting them for success later. It's interesting. A lot of the problem that we've had in early childhood care and education has pre-existed the pandemic, but the pandemic seemed to highlight a lot of that, especially because a lot of parents were finding that they needed to stay home instead of work to take care of their children. But I'm wondering if there aren't really two issues here. One is the fact that we need to provide care for children whose parents must work. But on the other hand, we're also talking about a larger issue of early childhood education, which was really important to all parents so that the children are getting an earlier start and we're improving education for children earlier on, which will benefit everybody. So that's why I'm wondering 
if there's a need to look at this more broadly beyond just the needs of child care that have been highlighted by the pandemic and the broader needs to do more and, and invest more in early childhood education across the board? Or is that just too much of a bite right now? No, I, I think it's absolutely uh, a legitimate conversation because it is extremely important. Now, when we think about the 206 operators that are running child care facilities that United Way of Southwest Virginia is currently working with, that represents uh, nearly about 1,000 teachers among those 206 providers. We're talking about 14,000 children that are being served uh, through these 206 providers. But what a lot of people don't realize, they're small businesses. Uh, they have needs just like private sector businesses have. So part of this initiative, too, if you want to help these centers improve in their quality, they need to spend more time in the classroom and, unfortunately, less time in the office and uh, doing things such as payroll, uh, business uh, operations and things. And a lot of these centers and providers need help there running their small business. Uh, a lot of them are... Uh, women-owned and some of them are even minority-owned businesses that we, through this initiative, really want to help them strengthen that. So how do we do that? Well, in the private sector, there's organizations and alliances that do procurement services. When I formerly worked in the retail uh, industry, we were part of an, an, an alliance that all of the small retail centers put their orders together in order to compete with national retail vendors. So how are we helping early child care centers, these 200 that we work with, consolidate some support for them to better run their businesses on the back end? Are we helping them with accounting services? Are we helping them with procurement? All child care centers have to have cleaning supplies. So instead of 206 providers going out on their own and buying Clorox wipes and and cleaning supplies, can we help them through an alliance put those procurement apps together and then negotiate with the manufacturers and larger providers of those supplies to reduce the cost, which again, help them gain access to supplies and services like curriculum and things that often they can't afford on their own, but if we negotiate as a region, we're able to help reduce their cost, make them more profitable which, where do they put those investments? Back in the classroom. So they can bring new curriculum. They can bring best practices. They can bring talented instructor, instructors into the classroom, helping the quality of their program, ultimately helping children. Another ingredient to a good business is lots of customers. So what you're perhaps suggesting is by improving the quality and the investment in these child care centers, they might be attractive to people who don't necessarily need them for economic reasons, but can benefit from their use because of their quality in education. Absolutely. I think that there are several folks that could benefit in multiple ways. Not only have we been working to address child care in our region, there's also the, the need for even after-school programming that sometimes Transportation issues really play into account there in rural Virginia and how children can get those supported services and those 
ed extra educational opportunities. So I think by investing in early education, we are highlighting and improving to let more parents know that this just isn't a place to put, it, put your child if you've got the errands to run or as a babysitter. These are high-quality learning environments that are really going to enable your child to be prepared for life, to also succeed in their early education K-12 career, that what is a, I mean, what more greater investment could we have in making sure that our children are safe and cared for, but also they're ready to be one of the best workforces in America and right here in Southwest Virginia. Finally, you mentioned earlier something about parent choice. What does that mean in this regard? What is it that is important for parents to choose when they're thinking about early childhood care and early childhood education? Sometimes um, we can be our own uh, barrier and enemy internally as far as trying to help but not understanding where help really is needed. There have been lots of times that unfortunately we have developed great initiatives or thoughts about, hey, we need this, let's do this and, and build it and they will come. But parents need to be involved in, is that what they need? Is it geographically in the right location? Is it affordable? Are the hours of operation correct? You know, we've got a lot of folks that are, are services that operate on certain uh, timelines or certain hours of operation, but some parents work evening shifts. Uh, some parents need that, that help at additional times and, and hours of the day. So having parents engaged in helping us figure out those solutions really helps us listen to the end user, the customer, and make sure that we're positioning these efforts and these services to best meet the needs of the customer, the children and the families and the, the parents that pay for these services. United Way of Southwest Virginia has just been named the lead organization for Ready Region Southwest. That was an announcement made on January 6th, and I've been talking today with Travis Staten. He is the president and chief executive officer of United Way of Southwest Virginia, and we've been talking about this lead organization designation as well as early childhood education and early childhood care in this region. Thank you so much, Travis, for joining me in this discussion today. Thank you. You have been listening to Together to Get There, the show dedicated to economic and community development in Southwest Virginia. My name is Dirk Moore, and I am your host. You have also been listening to WHC 90.7, the voice of Southwest Virginia. Thank you for listening.